G'day and welcome to GradChat, your opportunity to find out about graduate research here at Queen's. My name is CJ the DJ and I am your host for this week's GradChat. Of course, a show like this could not happen without the support of the School of Graduate Studies and CFRC, so thank you very much to both of them. Now, if your mates miss the shows at any time, you can download the podcast the next day on either iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher. So no excuse not to hear what our awesome students and postdoctoral fellows are doing. Once again, due to the COVID-19 situation that we're all in, uh, the clarity of the recording may not be quite as good as when we actually do it in the studio. So I just wanted to let you know that. So our apologies if it's not up to scratch as what you're used to. But um, at least this way, we're still getting live programming for you and, and new, in, new materials for Grad Chat. Today, I would like to introduce you to Megan Tucker, who is doing a master's degree in education under the supervision of Dr. Elizabeth McGetchen. So welcome to Grad Chat, Megan. Hi, yeah, thank you so much for having me. So, so where are you phoning in from? I am in Prince Edward County right now. Nice. Yes, that's my hometown. I've grown up there. Yeah. That's good. I am, I'm always jealous of, of people who live down in the county. I think it's such a great little place down there. Yes. And of course, it's grown that. a lot even in the 13 years I've been here in Kingston. Yes, yes. There's a lot more people there now. It's really turning into a touristy town. Um, yeah, hopefully not too touristy because it loses its charm. I know. It's too overcrowded. Yeah, I've... <laughs> I know it kind of makes me sad over the years. I've seen it grow and it's really transformed since my early years. But I still have my little favorite spots that are kind of a local secret and untouched. Ah, so you're clearly not going to let us in on your secret. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I guess we should get into what your research is all about. And I know you're in your master's and you're in the beginning of your master's. And it looks like you've done a lot of background work, but... I'm going to let people in this in the, into the topic. So you're looking at the experiences that inspires one to be an environmentalist, which is a great topic um, and great title, I actually think, because it can conjure up all sorts of things in your imagination of what you mean by that. And, and like I said, you've clearly done a lot of background research before picking your actual research topic. So, so before you actually get into more of that, can you explain to us what is the research problem and rationale behind it? I mean, what is, what, is, what, is, what are you trying to look at here? What is the research problem? Yeah, so as we know, globally, we are experiencing immense changes to uh, the environment. So global environmental threats that are, are our reality are evidence of the extent to which human behavior is drastically and adversely affecting the natural world. So from my literature search, there is a growing body of literature that suggests the important role that psychology could play in altering and understanding human behavior around the natural world. Right. So additionally, research has shown that experiences in the natural world during childhood, especially mentorship from parents or teachers or other role models who show an interest in the natural world as well, are key entry level, level variables that predispose people to take an interest in nature themselves, to 
throughout their life and then uh, work for its protection and preservation. So educational experiences with the natural world have been shown to increase ecological behavior by not only fostering a connection to nature, but also environmental knowledge and awareness. And it's been found that people who express value or care and concern for the natural world are likely to adopt measures for its preservation and protection. So in my research, understanding more about people's relationships and their life experiences and sense of oneness with the natural world may be a promising approach to tackling these environmental challenges. So what's your background then, Megan? I mean, because there's a lot of things that you mentioned there in terms of, you know, there was psychology, you could look at geography and environmentalism, there's education. So I guess I should have asked in the beginning, what is your background? Um, yeah, so I did a undergrad in philosophy, actually, and I took a um, environmental philosophy class, which really has stuck okay. with me over the years. And then right. during my Bachelor of Education at Queen's, I took a year-long environmental education course. And it was in that that I've been able to put together my love and appreciation and passion for the environment that I've had my whole life into a different lens and try and educate others in kind of the same Well, it's way. interesting that you said you did philosophy and things because you, you can see that in here along with psychology and what have you. Um, yeah. Just, you know, looking at the mm-hmm. research problem that you were saying. And you use this word oneness. Yes. What do you mean by that? So oneness could be how someone views the environment. They see themselves as part of it instead of separate to it. So instead of suggesting that we are separate or there's some sort of like human dominant hierarchy in the environment, we're all one. We're connected. There's a oneness, a sense of being a part of it rather than separate. Which is an interesting thing because if we look at some of the indigenous teachings, they're always talking about, you know, we are we are part of nature and and our effect on the nature as a whole and the environment as a whole. So it's, it's, um, it's an interesting one there, and it's a good one that we should be considering a lot more. Yeah, Dave Abram, he is a cultural anthropologist and eco-philosopher. He's someone who I'm using in my own research and someone I resonate with very deeply. He uses the term human and more than human world. So human is right. one species of many that are interconnected with more than human beings and more than human meaning everything that exists in earthly nature. And just thinking about it like that really puts in perspective that we're all one and that sense of oneness and being a part of the land, living in right. earth opposed to living on earth. Right, right, right. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's a big distinction, isn't it? Yeah. Because I know that we, you know, what you've explained to us earlier was what you found out in a literature review. So for people who don't know much about the re- how research works, our students always start off usually with, you know, what's been, what's been said before? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was, has there been studies already? In which case, what, did that, what were their findings? Is there anything out there that could help, help us formulate a, a new study? Those sorts of things. And, that, and that's all part of doing a literature review of what's been done already and what's, what's missing, what's the gap. Yeah. So with your own research, can you give us an overview of what that is? Because I know you said from when we first started talking about coming on Grad Chat, you said, 
or my topics change slightly. So what, what is your research going to be about now, knowing that your topic is experiences that inspires one to be an environmentalist? Yeah, so my research is looking at the significant life experiences of environmentalists and how those life experiences have really nurtured and shaped and influenced their sense of oneness with the natural world or the more than human world. So nature connectedness is a term uh, used to def- describe and define the extent to which a person considers themselves to be part of the natural world. And mm-hmm. nature connectedness really makes up a significant amount of research in the field. It has been the dominant approach uh, to understanding this relationship that or sense of oneness that a person has with the natural world. And the whole idea behind this is that if a person believes that they are part of the natural world, if they're interconnected, then they will feel more responsible for protecting the natural world because ultimately any damage or destruction that has been caused in the natural world would actually be destruction on yourself if you feel as though you're really part of it. So this research on nature connectedness uh, has typically been measured using questionnaires and surveys of different various populations. In my own research, where it's kind of unique and different from what has predominantly been done, is that I'm shying away from this construct of nature connectedness and really quantitatively trying to measure this relationship, which has really been the dominant method. It's been a lot of, like I said, surveys, questionnaires. And to me, in some ways, the term nature connectedness implies that people and nature are separate in so much that if they're separate, it suggests that there's a connection between two things. Right to be measured, maybe it is there or it isn't there. Where my study differs is that I'm using a narrative inquiry approach um, to really understand these authentic experiences that people in the field have had. And I'm not really looking at it in so much as a measure, but really understanding the social emotional connection that environmentalists have had. So what I'm going to be doing is interviewing um, to explore their uh, sense of oneness. And I'm also quite interested within this in the different terms that people use to describe their sense of oneness and their understanding of the natural world or more than a human world and how these terms uh, represent these different understandings of environmentalists. So you're you're going to study the environmentalists themselves. How did you choose those environmentalists to study? Or is it they've already filled in things that you can use? So I'm not at that stage um, yet. I have some people in mind, but I'm looking really at people who are educators in different capacities. And so right. I might select some participants um, from higher education, maybe someone who's working at an outdoor education uh, center. So I haven't, I'm not at that stage yet. Right. Yeah. But, but that would be in the fall. because... I mean, an environmentalist isn't necessarily someone that's a tree hugger. There's other, sorry, I shouldn't say like, and I'm not saying that disparagingly at all, um, but there's those that are in nature all the time. There's those, like you said, are educators. There's those who just have an interest in, in the environment and how we fit within the environment. Yes, exactly. It's very broad. So what are you anticipating the environmentalist perceptions to be of their sense of oneness with the world? Do you have any preconceived ideas already or are you just wanting to see what's going to happen when they talk to you? I guess I'm just kind of going to see. I mean, I my hope is that 
their stories may generate some ideas or recommendations for how people working in education can create such experiences uh, for students to exercise and realize that sense of oneness with the natural world. I'm quite interested in how they might remember how their senses were exercised in these experiences. Maybe some of them occurred in childhood or how these experiences include mentorship from people in different capacities. Was it like a grandmother or a parent or um, was it a teacher that really inspired them or nurtured that sense of oneness throughout their life? I don't know. I guess I kind of go off my own experience too and how my sense of oneness really was nurtured. So you, uh, sorry, and I know you're not ready at this stage yet, but will you have certain questions that you'll ask everyone and then see what happens after that? Yeah, so I'll create a interview guide. Questions, I'm hoping to do two or three interviews and um, maybe engage in some sort of outdoor activity. Um, I'm hoping to also conduct the interviews in uh, a natural setting that is of their choosing that represents their sense of oneness with the natural world but I will have questions created um, but it is semi-structured interview so I can alter them a little bit or probe um, to get further detail after I ask a question. I think you alluded to some of this before but in what ways do life experiences leave an impression on personal understanding of oneness with the natural world because like you said I mean some people have heard it from mentors and others have just learned it on the spot from their own situation so you know people's life experiences can leave an impression on their personal understanding of oneness with the natural world do you have some other examples yeah so these experiences could leave an impression that leads the person to develop care or concern for the natural world. It may lead them to exercise different things throughout their life to exercise protection or advocacy as well. What significance do environmentalists attribute to sharing their personal stories? Yeah, so that is one of my research questions. So from that, I'm really hoping what if there's any recommendations or suggestions that they have that can come out of them sharing their story in such a like an educational context or right in advocacy yeah. as well. Well, that, I think that's going to be really, really important because it's one thing just understanding their thoughts of yeah. um, of this, but how can you use that to educate others? Yeah, and so I guess as an I mean you're a, you're an educator yourself. I've actually got two questions here I'd like to ask, and I'm not sure how easy they are going to be for you to answer. But with the way things are happening these days, I mean, particularly now with COVID-19, a lot of things are happening online, etc. So how does or can social media and online education play a part in in helping our children understand their place in the natural world. So there are great resources online and on social media for engaging children or people of all ages in experiential and outdoor education. Um, So I think putting those resources to work hand in hand with the actual experiential aspect of engaging with the natural world is key. So an emphasis on that experiential aspect, but then also communicating and talking through those experiences is a big aspect. So really to instill that sense of understanding or wonder, um, it's not enough to just go outside, but I think communicating, reflecting, and consolidating on those experiences. And I know in this Mm -hmm. current situation with COVID, you know, we can't go to parks or a lot of 
Yes. Um, different areas are closed, but I think there's living beings and there's a natural world all around us. And even if it's not much, there's still trees, there's birds, there's even a little patch of grass. Looking in the grass at all the different living creatures in the grass is right. so neat. And back to that part of communicating and talking through the experiences, storytelling and letting a child or even an adult go hug a tree or yep. I mean the feeling yes. of hugging the tree. I, I'm a tree hugger here. Go and hug a tree and just like the feeling of the bark on your face and the right. tree in your arms. Yeah. And if if that's a child doing that, talking through that experience and yeah, because yeah, I think the actual experience is very different to being told the experience, right? You yeah. need to feel it for yourself to make up your own opinion of where you are. Yeah. So I think, like you said, going and, I mean, I'm very lucky where I am right now. I have a little woods next to me, and I I feel sometimes I like Snow White because there's so many little animals and critters running around inside these woods, which I get to see every day, and I love it. Yeah, and uh, I can just imagine as a a small child being able to see, oh, here comes a bunny rabbit, or even this little ant. You know, where's the ant going? You know, all these sorts of things. And I think that's really, really important. Like, I never used to like stepping on ants because I think, oh, they're a living thing. Let's be careful. Let's walk around that ant kind of thing. Also, they were really big ants. Yeah, which scared which scared <laughs> me anyway. <laughs> so. <laughs> And like, even but if you're it, right, even as a child, like asking, where's the ant going? That's such exactly. a good question. And I'm sure it will really exercise their imagination and creativity. Yeah, it was. In, uh, I'm, I'm just going to explain to one thing that happened to me when I went back to Australia over the last Christmas period. And of course, we had all the fires and everything that were going on there. And my parents had this lovely bird bath in their back backyard. And it was interesting to see because of all the smoke and there's been droughts and all these sorts of things. My, my dad religiously fills up this bird bath, but the birds were competing with bees because bees were struggling to find water. So they were coming to have it and they were actually shooing away the birds. And it wasn't until later in the evening when the bees had obviously gone back to their hive or whatever that the birds came in and, and used the water themselves. So it was just great to see how the, the environment and, and the animal world had changed its pecking order of how to use this one bird bath in my, my parents' backyard. <laughs> but it was fascinating every day. I go, oh, my, the bees are there. Oh, there goes the cock, you know, the cockatoo and the Maggie's coming down and all this sort of thing. We had our own little conversations going on. It was fantastic. Oh. <laughs> Gave you a really good appreciation. Yeah. But, that, of course, that's my little segue, my little side bit there. So how does or should a researcher or educator explain humans place in the world to children or teens or to adults because I think whether I'm right or wrong how you'd explain to a kid would probably be very different to how you explain things to an adult or, or am I wrong there yeah I think I mean some terms and explanations are going to be um, more complex than others but I think mm-hmm. not only explaining, but also showing and giving that experiential opportunity to to teach this or to explain this. So, I mean, human as one species in a world full of many species, this is where I really resonate. Yes. Yeah. So I think going with this explanation, also providing an opportunity for um, experiential learning and understanding this. 
And this is where I really like Abraham's term more than human, which I explained a little bit earlier um, in the interview. But again, we're human in a world of more than human beings. We exist as interconnected with all the beings of the earth. And with this, it also suggests that there's no hierarchy of beings or human isn't the dominant being. Um, So again, obviously that phrasing might be a bit complex for children, but I find finding ways to get the message across not only experientially, but in more creative ways. Um, So such as storytelling can be a great way to introduce ideas, like such as um, the interconnectedness of uh, beings or humans' relationship with trees, animals, water. So how how do you say to people who, because rightly or wrongly, most most humans see humans at the top of the food chain kind of thing in, in the natural world? And as we know, we haven't done exactly the best in looking after our environment and things. And how do you, how do you explain to some of these people who are so negative about you know what, how we're treating the natural world is it's not my problem, it's someone else's problem kind of thing, when we can clearly see with the, the fact that we've all been told to currently we're at home due to COVID-19, there's areas of the natural world that are coming alive again with with animals and um, plants and fish and things going into areas that they haven't been in for a long time because there's no humans around mucking it up. <laughs> so how do you explain to those people who are very negative about who cares? Who cares if we've got oneness with nature? Yeah, I think, I mean, that is a problem for and a challenge of all environmentalists. It's very daunting trying to explain to people or try and understand why they're thinking that and how they're thinking that over time through the environmental movement, there's been a huge emphasis on science and science as a leader to prove everything. And I think within that, we've really lost touch of our own sense and our own relationship and value that we put into the uh, natural world. So I think yeah, I mean, you can tell people all the the destructive things that are going on in the natural world, but it's just one thing. I think people aren't disconnected from the natural world. I think people have just lost their sense of experiencing it. That's true. Yeah. World. It's not that we're disconnected. It's that people need opportunities to ex- exercise their sense senses and experience the natural world and come to realize that humans are one species in a world of more than human species that is interconnectedness and there's a oneness right. between beings. But I think also to seeing, you know, trees have their have their own sense of communicating with other trees or kind of seeing right. them as the amazing things they can do. Like trees can literally squeeze apples out of their bodies. That is so cool. Yeah, good point. <laughs> like, and humans, though, you know, we have our own language that we communicate to other humans with, but trees have their own communication and ways of communicating yeah. with other trees, or, you know, animals have their own methods of communication and all the interesting things that they do like bees are so cool when you think of a life of a bee that is like yes. the neatest thing or 
birds and migration. That is so cool. And I think so getting out of that mindset of seeing things as only what humans do, but also thinking, wow, what? The what are the, what are the others doing? Are, yeah, have their own intricate and, and lives. <laughs> it's, it's interesting, actually, because again, whether this was intentional or not, because I don't think it was with this COVID-19 situation, more people are going out walking around and looking and looking up, you know, not just looking on their phone. Mm-hmm. They're looking up to see what's around. They're looking at the woods. They're looking at the the lawns and people's gardens. They're looking at, well, the, we can't go into the parks at the moment in the same way, but, you know, people are still walking their dogs and what have you. Yeah. There's more people out and about and enjoying nature mm-hmm. as a, and, and getting away from the mobile phone. And so if, if nothing else, this COVID-19 has given us an opportunity to stop and reflect on where we are and what's around us. Yeah. Which is which is really good. Actually, and you mentioned the bees and things. I'm just going to go off on a bit of a tangent here, mm-hmm. but I know, I understand you have your own beeswax business. Is that correct? Yes. So I started that last year during the Bachelor of Education program. I had the opportunity to go to Uganda and teach environmental. Yeah. And uh, teach environmental education for a month at a rural school. And uh, this, I went with an organization, a Ugandan based organization who does all different projects related to the environment and education throughout the country. And they rely just on donations. And so I wanted to make a donation to them. And with that donation, I was then able to plant trees and implement a recycling program at this school and do some general repairs. And that donation was made possible by uh, my beeswax wrap business. Uh, So I started that as a fundraiser and it's really taken off. So I have them in around 10 different stores in Prince Edward County. Just in the county? Uh, No, Prince Edward County, Belleville and Limestone Creamery in Kingston. Yeah, so I just so what? Okay, so we're going to give a plug there. What's the name of your company? Uh, So it's Meg's Beeswax Wrap. Well, that's easy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I know at the time I was like, oh, I should. Well, thinking back to it, I'm like, I wish I came up with like a more creative name, but I honestly (laughs) didn't think it was going to go. Yeah, I didn't think it was going to go past my trip, but has. And yeah, it's been wonderful. And I still donate a dollar from each package I sell to the same organization. Yeah. Well, you you clearly are an environmentalist because I, I noticed here on your notes that you're also interested in regenerative agriculture, which is fantastic. Yes. And I'm and I'm and imagine with all this, are you hoping after you've finished your degree, and I don't know whether you're thinking going on to doing a PhD, but you'll be able to come up with some ways that you can then bring this, what you've learned back to the education system at, at different levels, you know, elementary school, high school, etc. Yeah. Or even the community. Yeah, I'm interested in doing a PhD after for sure. And uh, yeah, I'm really passionate about this work and very interested in it. And I think there's definitely different ways that I can extend it to mm-hmm. uh, doctoral work. Yeah. So would, would you, I'm going to ask you one more question. And I yeah. c- kind of talked about it right at the beginning with, with some of the things that you're talking about, this oneness with nature. Like I said, it was very much um, what our Indigenous 
people talk about all the time is no we are we are part of all of nature we're not separate we're part of and we have to respect nature would you as part of and I should have asked you this early as one of your environmentalists perhaps talk to an indigenous person yes that actually is I have been thinking about that and I think it would be really valuable to include yeah because there's so much we can learn from from our indigenous population yeah it's it's fantastic. I mean, I I love listening to to I listened to some of the elders the other day from from Queens, and I always find it fascinating. I always come away with something like, ah, oh, that's inspiring. Yeah. Okay, Megan. I, you know, we're going to have to call it quits there. I mean, you've got your work cut out for you because none of this is easy. Of I mean, there's one thing of trying to find out, um, you know, bits and pieces about um, environmentalist life experience and how they feel as part of you know this oneness with nature. But then from there is how can you translate that to getting the rest of us to understand it and not just understanding it, but wanting to be, you know, be part of that and and find our own oneness with nature. So, you know, I I take my hat off to you. You clearly, yes, can easily do a PhD after this. (laughs) A lot more work for you to do. (laughs) So I just want to say good luck with all of that and also your beeswax business. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much. I am a busy gal, that's for sure. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so so we're gonna we're going to stop there. So that's it, everyone. A, another week of grad chat sadly comes to an end. Don't forget, you can download the show tomorrow from either iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher. Just type in grad chat. Until next week, this is CJ the DJ signing off with a big hooray. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, Ontario at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples. The CFRC Podcast Network at podcast.cfrc.ca is brought to you by the generous support of the Queen's University Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences.